guys, welcome to the More Than Mom podcast. I'm your host, MJ Cash, and your new mom BFF. And guess what? You get me without any awkward playground small talk. On this podcast, we'll be covering everything we possibly can to help you thrive in all of your roles, not just as mother, but as wife, woman, and individual with your own passions and dreams. I hope that you'll choose to continue along this journey with us as we all begin to figure out how to become more than mom. Hey guys, welcome to the More Than Mom podcast. I hope everyone's having a wonderful week this week. We are just coming off of my episode with Rosalind Summick last week, and man, was that a good one, wasn't it, guys? I know that episode specifically with Rosalind applies to a fewer number of people currently because you have to be in the right stage of life to have young kids with sleep issues or uh, learning and adjusting to nursing and breastfeeding. But man, what a fountain of knowledge she is. And as you know from listening to it, if you made your way over there, it was just a really fun conversation that I thoroughly enjoyed having. So if you haven't gone and listened to the Rosalind Summick episode, I highly recommend heading over there and checking it out. She is our friend from up north and a friend that I'm truly, truly, truly happy to have now. So this week, I have an incredible guest. Her name is Jamie Wilhite. And she's actually local here in Middle Tennessee, and I found her. We got connected over social media. It seems to be a, a common theme in this podcast and, and my wonderful guests and how we're getting connected. I do want to warn everyone, though, this week specifically, there is a major trigger warning on this episode. We are discussing drowning. There's also mentions of choking. And for anyone that that might be a negative trigger for and send you into any sort of spiral that you are not ready for uh let this be your warning but for those who can handle this conversation i really think it's going to be an important one i think it's one that needs to happen more in our society and i'm really really thankful that jamie was willing to have it jamie holds many roles in her life she's a mother she's a wife she's a dental hygienist but one of the roles that she holds is cpr instructor she decided to get certified as a CPR instructor after successfully saving her son from a drowning incident using the techniques of CPR that she learned from being in the medical field for her entire career. In the medical field, Jamie talks about it on here, you have to get certified every single two years so your certification of CPR and Heimlich and AED never expire. In her role as a dental hygienist, which she has been for over 20 years, she underwent this certification time and time and time again. And, and because of that, when her two-year-old son found himself in the pool through a very heart-wrenching story, Jamie was able to save his life because she was equipped with the skill set to do so and because of the circumstances and just the, the good fortune around everything that happened that day. This is something that, honestly, I think so many parents overlook. And I know for me, I I speak about it a lot in this conversation, my biggest fear around my children is drowning. I don't know where it originated from, but it's just one of those things that really sends fear into my soul. And what I learned through this conversation is is crazy. By the end of our, our talk, I felt much more 
at ease with the thought of my kids being around water. All of a sudden, it was like, oh, yeah. In every other aspect of my life, I know that if I am afraid of something, I need to run towards it. I need to be prepared. I need to to learn about it, right? Usually fear is out of a level of unknowing or, or avoidance. If we don't know about something, we're scared, right? If, if when we're kids, we're scared of the dark because we don't know what's in the room. You know, we have this fear of the unknown. And usually if you can just diagnose what's going on, you can eliminate that fear. But for some reason in this capacity, maybe because it's painful to think about, maybe because it's genuinely scary, it's a parent's worst nightmare to think about, I was avoiding it. I was avoiding even thinking about the idea that my kids could drown because it was paralyzing. But the truth is the best thing we can do is just prepare ourselves for the worst. And through that, through preparation, through, through learning, through training, we can be set more at ease for these situations. Not that we ever want them to come up. Oh my gosh, of course not. But to know that we are somewhat prepared should anything ever happen really just put me at peace. So I actually been CPR certified before and I have now scheduled a class with Jamie to recertify me. And it's incredible these days, we you know back when I got certified last time, I had to actually go somewhere I had to go to a building and sit in a classroom and get certified with a bunch of strangers, which was fine and it worked and it was great. But now these instructors like Jamie can actually come to your house and you can actually throw a CPR certification party, which is exactly what I'm doing um, in a few weeks with a bunch of my friends. And a bunch of parents are going to come over and we're all going to get certified together so that we are more prepared to keep our children safe. It's so crazy, you know, to me in this whole journey of parenthood that we're on that, you know, th the unavoidable truth of parenting is that anyone can become a parent, right? Like once you reach the age of being able to reproduce, you can become a parent and yet you can be completely ill-prepared to do so. But at the end of the day, you give birth to a baby or you adopt a baby and they just hand it to you and you're like, oh, ta-da, all of a sudden I need to be responsible enough to take care of this baby. And the truth is a lot of us, including myself, fall short of what it takes to properly care for a baby and keep them safe. And this is one of those areas that, that I realized after talking to Jamie that I have missed the mark on. Y'all, I am not prepared to give my kids CPR should they need it or the Heimlich if they need it. And, and it's not that I haven't been certified before, but it was years ago. And I've actually thought on multiple occasions to myself, if I needed to, would I remember? And the fact that I don't know is not okay. The fact that I sit here and I don't know the answer to that question, I don't know for sure that I would be able to take care of my kids should they need me in that situation, tells me that something needs to change. And I wonder for how many parents out there that are listening to this right now, that's the truth for you too. That you obviously are sold out to keeping your kids safe, but the idea and the inconvenience of having to build a four-hour class into your schedule in order to get certified and to five, six, find $65 in your budget in order to pay for it is really easy to put off. It's really easy to make excuses for until the minute you need it but by then it's too late. And I think something we're all guilty of as human beings is just thinking that bad things are not going to happen to us. Bad things happen to other people, but not to us, not to my kid, not to my husband, not to my family, not to me. And that's one of the biggest mistakes we can make. 
because these these things do happen. And as you'll hear in Jamie's story today that she's going to share to you, they can happen to anyone. They can happen no matter how many precautions you take. These things sometimes happen. And it's heartbreaking. And it's horrible. And it's completely traumatizing. It affects the rest of your life. But they are avoidable. There are things that you can do to raise the safety in your household and to raise the training and the capabilities that you have to keep your kids safe. There are things. It's not just one of those things. It's not just luck of the draw here. Now, don't get me wrong. There have been kids who have passed away from choking and from drowning that were tremendously bad fortune. Tons of precautions were taken. People were prepared and it happens anyways. And those parents are not at fault. And it's important that us as a society understands that. And it's important that that us as mothers rally around those other moms who need our help and our support and our love in the worst times of their life. When horrible situations like this happen, they don't need our judgment, guys. And I hope that in Jamie's story, you'll see just how quickly and how easily and how discreetly something like this can go down. And I hope that it'll, like many of the episodes I, I, I feature on here, it'll give you empathy for other moms whose situations you might not understand because you haven't personally experienced it, but you can love on them anyways. And I hope it'll give you the prompting that you need that if you're not certified in CPR, in the Heimlich, and in AED training, that you will seek it out. And you will maybe host a party, a CPR certification party, just like I am doing with my friends. Because for every single person that you get in the room for that to get certified, you are giving them, you're equipping them with the skills needed to potentially save their child's life. Guys, how powerful is that? How stinking powerful is that? So this is an incredible conversation. Jamie is extremely vulnerable with us. She's extremely honest with, that, with us. She's definitely putting herself out there on a topic that, quite frankly, unfortunately, in the world of the internet, can get attacked sometimes. And so Jamie's risking that in order to help the masses and to help all of us gain the knowledge of how to better protect our children and how to better keep them safe. I'm, I'm really excited for you guys to hear this conversation. It is raw. It is real. But it is so, so good. And I wholeheartedly believe that just like me, coming into this conversation with so much anxiety and, and pain and fear around this subject, you will listen to this conversation and you will come out the other side feeling more equipped and more prepared and more at ease to take on a situation like this so that it's not fully rooted in fear because you can put action behind it and you can you could put yourself and train yourself and, and get yourself into situations that will better prepare you should anything like this ever happen in your family or to someone you know. And like Jamie said, it's not just for children. It's not just for our kids' protection. Guys, people have heart attacks. People choke anywhere. And you could be anywhere out and about in a situation with a stranger, with a family member, with a friend, or with your child, and see someone who needs help. And you would be equipped to do it. And I, do, I just don't think any of us can put a price tag or, 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 a, or, a, or amount of time that is worth it 
when it comes to saving a life. So with that, I'm going to let you hear this incredibly beautiful conversation that I was honored to have with Jamie Wilhite. Sure. My name is Jamie. I am native to Nashville. I'm a unicorn is what they call us people that have always lived here. I'm 42. I have um, a wonderful blended family. Um, We have children that are uh, ages 24, 20, 18, 17, and 4. And um, my mom and dad are from Ohio. My dad made it to Tennessee um, and played actually played music um, with Ernest Tubb okay. and the Texas Troubadours. So we grew up on the Opry and all around country music. So we're we're definitely unicorns here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's like the most cliche. I know, person. I know. It's crazy. It's <laughs> awesome. And um, where did you meet your husband? Is he from here originally? He is not originally from here. He's from Indiana and then moved here with his family, um, went to school here, went to Antioch High School, and then his family actually moved back to Indiana, and when they moved, he stayed. But funny story, Chris and I um, met each other um, through some mutual friends, didn't know that we knew each other, but we actually sang in a band together. Wait, what? (laughs) True. True story. Like... A small band where you actually knew each other? Yeah. yeah. So, um, well, actually, we had a friend. His name is Jimmy Box, and he he knew me from different people in high school, and we just hung around in the same crowd. And then Chris knew Jimmy Box, actually lived with him. Okay. But we were out one night at a karaoke place, and a couple of them were there. I was there with some friends with a birthday party. He was like, you've got to come hang out with us. There's this band that um, I want you to, to see and hear. Yeah. So one thing led to another. Chris and I met each other um, through him. And after, oh gosh, I don't know, maybe a year or so later, we yeah. actually started seeing each other and dating. And that's crazy. That's, that's our story. So both of you guys are musicians, is that correct? Kind of. I won't, I won't say musicians. I'll just say musical. Okay, fair enough. And what do you do professionally? Yes, I am um, professionally. I'm a dental assistant. I have been a dental assistant for 24 years. Wow. Um, I have what's called expanded functions. So I have gone back to school to further my scope of practice. I'm able to place fillings after the doctor preps the teeth. I can clean teeth, place sealants, a lot of dental things. Yeah. So if a dental office were able to have a nurse practitioner that's basically my role okay very cool yeah so yeah. you're like a, a dentist without the debt yes is that right? <laughs> yes actually yes which is great and I don't want I, my husband has said for years why don't you go back to be a dentist and I'm like no that's not <laughs> yeah. that's not my goal I don't want to go to school anymore right. I'm done with that and then um I do do a little photography on the side that's kind of a passion yep um not so much um a career um but I love uh photography and taking pictures and um I do do that as well and then I'm also a certified CPR instructor with American Heart Association okay awesome so somehow you are managing to be a wife 
a mother of four kids? Um, I have four of my own, and then my husband has one, so together there are five, yes. And then you're working full-time and able to pursue a passion. It's insane, isn't it? It's awesome. (laughs) That's fantastic. Yeah, I'm I'm living my dreams. That's amazing. So um, the reason I called you in today to sit down with me is that you, I, I like to talk to some mothers who have... Um, really unique experiences in life or have undergone really unique circumstances and you certainly fall into that category. You have actually lived through my absolute worst fear (laughs) as a mother. Um, There's just, there's nothing else that terrifies me more than what you went through. So can you kind of give us the backstory on that? Sure, I would love to. Um, So it was March 31st of 2018, the day before Easter. Um, it had been a very pretty day that day. Um, we were actually earlier in the day planting flowers on the front porch, um, just sweeping off the front porch, getting everything um, looking really pretty for Easter the next day, um, cleaning the pool, sanitizing the pool. All of my children were home um, from college, which was wonderful. And um, I had we had actually just gotten back that day our fam our latest family pictures from my one of my wonderful friends Layla Fox who takes our pictures mm-hmm. and um, we had we were just you know having a Saturday a normal Saturday it was springtime a little warm outside but not too warm that's how we started our day and as the day went on um, we had plans to go to a glow-in-the-dark Easter egg hunt in our community in Mount Juliet, Tennessee. And um, that that started at 7 o'clock that night. So around, I don't know, 6.15, 6.20, I had loaded up everything that we needed for that event and put my purse in the car, my keys were in the car, um, and I was getting knocks, that's my youngest son, um, ready to go. And my neighbor from next door had um, walked over with his girls and had asked me to borrow a shovel. Actually, we had borrowed that shovel from them. Yeah. And he was like, where's my shovel, girl? I need to get my shovel back. So um, I couldn't it's find it typical neighbor relationship. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, we have great relationships with our neighbors, which is wonderful. They're, they're some of our best friends. I went to open the garage to see if I could find it because um, it had been probably – the end of the season last year when I had borrowed it and it was winter and you know how things go and he needed it so no problem so I opened up the garage and I couldn't find it anywhere Um, and my husband and the 18 year old were not home they had gone to some kind of convention that was in town and I called him on the phone and asked him where it was he said that it was outside in the backyard along the fence line and there, lo and behold, there it was. So I had gone outside and grabbed the shovel. And the whole time, Knox was standing outside with our neighbor and his two girls playing in the front yard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just came through the house, went through the front door, handed him the shovel, and we all just stood there and talked. So it was me, my neighbor, his two girls, and then my youngest son and our dog. Okay. And we were just sitting there or standing there talking and um, talking about Easter the next day because I host Easter at my house and in doing that there's tons of people there so right. in preparation for that that whole day we were just getting the house ready and getting the outside ready 
um, to make it look nice and everybody was coming. So we were talking about that and all the prizes that we had gotten for the kids for after the Easter egg hunt. And as we were standing there talking, Knox toddled back up the steps on the front porch and he looked at me and was wanting to go inside. Our dog was standing there with him and I said, you can go in. I said, but don't go far because we're fixing to leave. Everything, of course, was already in the car. So he went in with the dog. Jordan is my oldest daughter. She's 24. And Dalton is my oldest son who is 20. They were in the house and my 16-year-old, well, he was 16 at the time. He's 17 now. He was all, they were all inside the house. Mm -hmm. Um, So I didn't feel uncomfortable. Um, Never thought two things about it. And my neighbor and I continued to stand there and talk. And he was talking about his pool and what he was doing with it for this season. And I was talking and discussing with him about my pool because I had just cleaned it that day and opening it up for the for the year. And we were talking about how crazy it was that it was March and we were opening our pools because right. of the temperature outside. So when the temperature outside is, is a certain degree, you have to start putting chemicals in your pool and cleaning it. Otherwise, it will grow bacteria and all the okay. things. It's it's really hard to be a pool owner, <laughs> yeah, to my, be honest. We were growing up, and that was enough for my parents to be like, never again. I, I, I won't say never again, but I'm telling you, it is a lot of work um, to be able to enjoy your pool for those summer months. So um, he and I, again, we're just standing there talking. And the way that my house is set up, I have my front steps that lead into my door. And then my hallway is in alignment with the door. And then the back door is also in alignment with all of those things. Okay. So I can I can kind of see um, out the back, but not so much. It's just a straight line. Yep. So as he and I were talking, I noticed my dog's tail wagging at the back door. And I thought to myself, well, that's kind of strange. I wonder why he, why she's back outside. And again, we stood there and we talked and something came over me and it was profound. I can't really explain it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just vivid words that came into my mind that said, you need to check on Knox. And I, I put my finger up to my neighbor cause he was talking to me to ask him to just to hold on a second so I could listen to see if I could hear him crying or it was just very strange to me to have this overwhelming feeling. And again, I could see my dog's tail wagon and I, I noticed that she was out on the back deck. So I asked my son, Brayden, um, who was in the front room. He could hear me because I was just standing in the front yard to go grab his brother. I asked him, said, please go grab Knox. We need to go. At this time, it was about 6.30, 6.35, and we needed to drive to the church where we were going to go to the glow-in-the-dark Easter egg hunt. So he did. He got up, and I could see him again out of the corner of my eye as I'm still talking to my neighbor. And he probably took about five steps down the hallway, and he just started screaming and running. And as he did, I knew. Um, what in turn had happened Um, and I just ran I just ran and he um, he was in the pool so I ran through my house I don't remember what I said 
I just remember going through the back door, bursting through the back door, and my son had already jumped into the swimming pool. And he had lifted Knox up and put him on his shoulder. And he was blue. And I knew that he was he was in immediate danger. And I just said, give him to me. Just give him to me. And uh, he handed him to me. And I immediately just turned straight around and went straight down to the deck. And immediately started CPR on him. And, um... As I was doing CPR, my son Braden obviously called 911 and was on the phone with them. And um, I can remember every single thing from the moment that I burst through that back door until the first responder got there. Um, and uh, I felt every bit of water that was in his body. Um, we did CPR for about a minute before I started hearing him. I started hearing him moan um, very softly, not very loud. And then he started, uh, his eyes started to roll around in his head and I knew that I was getting him back. I could tell earlier than this that I was getting him to a safer point because of the color of his skin he started to become pink again and um, I knew that what I was doing to his body was effective and he was getting oxygen even if it was just through me and um, about a minute in I started to hear moans the meantime in the meantime my neighbor had ran home next door his wife is a nurse and she comes running um, she tried to get through my back fence of my backyard and it wouldn't open so then she just ran around and came um, through the house and was at, at that at that point when she when she finally got to me I was already starting to get um, signs of life back from him and then at that point we realized that his body was freezing cold due to the fact at the time I didn't know it but due to the fact that the temperature in the pool was about 50 degrees Wow. So it was really cold. Um, so at that point, um, we're taking his shoes off, taking his socks off, all of his clothes, getting him down to nothing. And um, the kids were uh, warming up towels in the dryer, um, warming up blankets in the dryer to wrap around him. The whole time, all of this is happening. He is breathing on his own. However, he's not alert and awake. Drowning in real life is not... Hollywood drowning. So when you watch a movie and you see it on TV, um, somebody you know happens to go under the water and they have to be saved or have CPR administered, and then they cough and the water comes out and they sit up and they're fine and happy. That's not real life. That's mm -hmm. extremely Hollywood. My son never woke up that day. I didn't know and we didn't know as a family what his outcome would be, and we just watched and waited. Um, so the first person on the scene, um, besides myself and my neighbor, um, was our fire chief, and his name is Jamie. He lives in my subdivision, just right down the street. So when my son called 911, 
obviously everyone is alerted and even him being off duty he was at home and he got the alert on his phone and he didn't think twice he just got in his car and drove straight to my house didn't knock on the door just kept walking in and thank god for him and um once he got there we kind of assessed the situation with him he asked me a bunch of questions and then he took knocks from me picked him up and i can remember one of the things or the first thing he did was he pinched his bottom because he wanted him to have a reaction. And we got one from him, which was good. And at that time, it was probably about three minutes into this, um, three or four minutes into this, and then the ambulance arrived. And then from that, I don't really remember a whole lot. I do remember it was just very um, busy. And my mind at that time was not focused because my child had been taken from me to be given to the ambulance and then that's when everything just kind of flooded in on me as to what just happened what happened to my son and what what are we going to do my husband wasn't home Um, the children were calling him and trying to get him you know to get home as fast as he could so he could be with us in the ambulance before it left and all of those things were just kind of a whirlwind at that point I just remember following them out to the ambulance and they had him in the back um, just assessing him and doing all the things that they needed to do and I was trying to get in the back um, because I wasn't going to allow them to leave without me mm-hmm. and they basically told me to stop and I needed to go change my clothes Um, and I didn't realize at the time that I had water and just it's awful but water and vomit and things all over me from actually having to do the CPR on him and I, I just remember them telling me I needed to go change my clothes I needed to get him some clothes to take to the hospital and they weren't gonna leave me so I, I went upstairs and I'm standing in my room and I couldn't physically, my brain was not focused to find another pair of clothes. I didn't care. I didn't care what was on my shirt. I didn't care um, that I was wet and all, my only focus was just to get back <clears throat> into uh, the ambulance with my son. So. I stood there and I couldn't I couldn't figure anything out and my daughter Jordan came upstairs and she said mom I've got this just go back downstairs and she gathered everything that we needed um, for him and for myself and at this time I don't know how much time had passed I think we left to start to go to the hospital maybe around seven o'clock so all of this happened within a 30 minute period um, we were on our way but my husband had made it back from where he was, I don't even know how far he was away, but it didn't take him long to get home. And then, um, then we made our way to Vanderbilt. Once we got there, uh, they did a chest x-ray on my son because it was very important to see what was still left remaining in his body. If there was any residual water um, in his lungs, uh, we found out that there wasn't. Um, all of the water was gone. So from the CPR, the compressions that I did on him, I was able to get all of the water out of his lungs. Um, there was a little bit of water in his stomach, and that was just kind of part of it. And then 
we waited. So um, they really couldn't tell us much. They just knew that his oxygen level was good and that he was responding well to the things that they were asking of him, as in pokes and pricks and prods and things like of that nature. And we waited. So um, we had several people calling um, and several people praying for him. And I just vividly remember myself and my husband and all of our children in the triage room at Vanderbilt, um, just standing around him and just holding each other and praying, praying over him just to be fine, to be 100%. And, um, and that's all we could do at that time was just to pray. Um, we, we didn't know uh, what the next day would look like. So we spent the night. They got us admitted pretty quickly and up to a room. And um, my husband didn't sleep the whole night. He sat right next to his bed. And it was a basically, it was, it was a baby bed, but a crib that had the rails that went up all the way around it. And he, he didn't leave his side all night long. And my daughter came. And she stayed with us and we just waited so the next morning we get up and the doctors are coming in and checking on him and going over different um, things with us like water safety and how to safeguard your home and what's really what looking back on that now no one had ever talked to us about that and yeah. Like I said, my daughter's 24, and I'm a pretty seasoned mom. I can I can say, like, you know, my older kids have had great childhoods and not a lot of injuries. Maybe one broken wrist or something um, throughout our years. But I had never really remembered being talked to about water safety and a plan and how to safeguard your home from these things from happening right yeah and it seems too late at this point at that point it, it was it was way too late and almost too late for our family so um as we waited just to see you know how he would be and he woke up and he woke up and he was perfect and he knew what had happened to him to be a two-year-old at that time that was you know pretty significant but his oxygen levels were fine. It seemed that his brain function was good um, and that we not ha we had not lost anything, which is amazing to me because knowing what I know now through my training, I can say with 100% certainty that toddlers can drown within 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. It takes 30 seconds for them to be submerged in water for them to drown. Brain damage starts to occur at two minutes. Two to five minutes you've got a really small window um, to get them out and to start breathing for them and then at 10 minutes without any oxygen your brain is usually non-functioning mm -hmm. so just recapping and looking back on that day on that on those just those moments he literally was standing right next to me with our dog walked inside nothing uncommon that he wouldn't have done before if I would have been in one room and he walked to the next room. Right. These things happen all the time. And it just took those small moments 
for him to find his way outside and to find his way in the water. And I just, I really think that our family is truly so blessed just because these things happen so quickly and things happen so fast that this, this tragedy is is horrendous and it's so real and it's huge and it's so bigger than even me or any of the other moms that have lost their children to this horrible thing that's called drowning. It, it just, and, and it, then it, you turn inward and you look and you think, well, what could I have done differently? I wasn't watching him good enough. And I felt that shame just myself, and I also felt like it was being said maybe behind my back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was very limited on who I told and who we sh- shared our story with because I didn't want that backlash. Even in groups that were a part of on Facebook, sometimes you have to be careful on what you say and what you want to try to share with people because you never know what you're going to get. Um, and even, you know, within our own circle of friends and even some family, I, I felt maybe looked upon, Yeah, which is really sad, um, especially in, when something like this happens, you want to press in and, and right. have those people close to you. And um, we felt so much love, but there was also so much judgment. Judgment. That's, that's the word. And... Um, it's real and it's really sad and it's very hurtful to even feel that way because another little short story about Knox is that when my husband and I got together of course we were a blended family Mm -hmm. I had my three children he had his one son and you know we always longed to have a child together and it took us we were married let's see we were married in 2005 and from that, uh, we started trying to have Knox or a baby mm-hmm. um, in 2009, and we had three miscarriages throughout our journey, and fertility, fertility treatments, fertility visits, and basically what we were told is that we had an 8% chance if we had help, a 1% chance of conceiving without any help, mm-hmm. and that's really all they could give us after the the losses and the years of trying. So we just kind of, I don't want to say gave up. That's not what we did. We just stopped trying. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I'm looking down at my child who's literally dying in front of me, that's really the only thing I could think is, oh my gosh, like here's this baby that we've longed for for years. And I've let him get away from me for seconds. And I, I can't lose him. Yeah. So, um, it just, it was just all very surreal. Um, and another thing that bothered me for quite a long time was the fact that I had asked my son to look for him for me, to go grab him, because he'll never lose that image right. of his son, of his not of his brother, I'm sorry, of his brother in the water that will never leave him. So that was also just a stab in my heart because um, I don't want him 
to live without. I don't want him to feel that that anguish that he must have felt at that very moment when he saw mm-hmm. his brother in the water. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just to hit on your point about the judgment that can get cast in situations like this. I think, I think all of us in general go through life thinking that bad situations aren't going to happen to us. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it could be anything. We can think that we're not going to be the ones that get cancer. It could be the one we're not going to be the ones that have our kid drown. We're not going to be the ones that any of these things that um, get robbed or get leave our child in a car or any right. of these things that that happen to good people. And I am hoping that one of the things that comes out of this podcast is people's ability to hear moms and families in different situations in them Mm -hmm. um, that have had different things happen in their lives that are still great people and great mothers and just realize to have empathy for people that maybe we don't maybe we haven't experienced it so we can't fully relate but that doesn't mean that we're immune from from experiencing it none of us are and I know for a fact, now Knox was two, was he going on three? He was. He um, His birthday is June 22nd, okay. so his accident was March 31st. He was Almost close three. to three, yeah. I know my son for sure. My son's my oldest. He's three, one on four right now. A year ago, even, and still today, he's, I think before I was a mom, I would have thought, oh, a two-year-old? Like, how could you leave a two-year-old alone? And then I became a mom, I'm like, two-year-olds are super smart, and they understand. They do. Like, <laughs> so there's all t- sorts of times that I would tell Beckett, like, go do this. There's, t- there's been times when Beckett was two that I would be like, Beckett, mom needs to nap. I need you to play in your room for a little mm-hmm. bit, and I'm going to nap. Mm-hmm. And he'd be two. Mm-hmm. And, like, yes, technically he could have pulled down on a dresser, and it could have fallen on top of him. But I was desperately needing sleep in those moments yeah. I was also pregnant and it was like <laughs> which makes it so much worse yeah. um and you know I took precautions of like having the monitor on so I'd hear crash or mm-hmm. whatever but I also knew like he was smart enough to communicate with and say hey Beckett don't hang on dressers yeah they can fall don't right. do these things I'm sure you had talked to Knox before like hey water is not super safe Absolutely, and he had actually had um, infant rescue swim mm-hmm. before his accident. Um, and another thing that uh, a lot of us parents think is that, oh, well, we'll do, we'll do some swim lessons, and when they're that young, unless you continue and they're going to swim lessons every day, week after week, month after month, those things don't stay retained. They're right. so little. That was one of the the things that I know now that I feel like I felt a little more comfortable because I I felt like if he did fall into the water, he would have that skill to turn and flip and roll. Right. Um, however, he didn't. And one of the reasons, or the main reason, why he didn't is because the water was 50 degrees that day. Right. So when he fell into the pool, like shot his, his body... body went into shock, and immediately went into hypothermia. And that is 100% one of the reasons why he's alive today and has 100% function. Right, slowed things down a little bit. Yes, because as your body starts to slow down, 
it slows down the need for oxygen. So your brain doesn't need as much oxygen to function. Your heart and all of your tissues, all of your vital body organs start to slow down dramatically, really fast. And then your body does not require as much oxygen to survive. So the amount of time that he was in the water was pretty significant. But counteracting that was the temperature of the water which slowed all all of the processes down. You will hear about a lot more drownings when it's warm outside. When you have warmer water, warmer weather, it does only take the 30 seconds. And then, you know, sometimes people can't be gotten as quickly as my son was, but if the water would have been warm that day, he probably would not have survived. Or I shouldn't say that. What I should say is that he probably would have survived, but maybe not have been 100% functioning after. Right. We could have had issues mm-hmm. um, because of the time frame from the beginning of the, of the incident until when EMS got there to take over. If I would not have known how to do CPR, I know 100% my son would not have survived that day. So what have you learned from this experience just about water safety about the importance of water safety, about the importance of being prepared for something like this as best, best as you can. Obviously, we, none of us are really prepared right. to see our child drown. But. No. What I've learned is that it's not really talked about enough. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not talked about enough in our pediatrician's office. Um, it's not talked about enough at home. I never once in a million years felt unsafe in my home until that day. I can't tell you how many countless of times that I had left the house before then and left Knox at home with my older children to just run to the gas station, run to the grocery store, um, run to pick something up from my sister's house just because it was easier for him to stay home and play and I didn't have to take him in and out of the car. Absolutely. I never thought about it until that day. And... After that day, that's all I can think about is that pool being in my backyard. I never felt uneasy in my own home. Now, every morning, even now, it's it's insane. I, I open up the blind, and that's the first thing I do is look in that pool. Um, I know I'm not going to see anything in there, but I have to see it. I have to see yeah. that there's nothing in there. And I don't think that that will ever leave me. Or if it will, it's going to take a lot of years <laughs> to get that um, image out of my head. However, um, other things that I've learned is that we can never be 100% prepared, but we can take actions and steps to better prepare our home and to better prepare ourselves for something tragic to happen. Um, something that we installed when we got home from the hospital was a brand new door a door that shuts hard and I know that when it shuts it shuts good that was one of mm-hmm. the things that um, led to this incident is because when I came through the back door with the shovel in my hand I just didn't shut the door good enough right because you kinda, the, like throw it behind you and it doesn't quite latch yes so we had um, that door plus the glass door and when the glass door went to shut it just went to the clasp and it didn't latch all the way. We also have an alarm on our back door. It was a $20 purchase wow. at Lowe's and it's about the biggest, as big as the palm of my hand 
and when you open the door, you can have it set to either chime or alarm, but when that door opens, I can hear it upstairs in my bedroom with all of the doors shut. I can hear it outside in my neighbor's yard across the street with all of my doors shut. It's loud, but it is a lifesaver. So if that door opens, I know it, I hear it. Mm -hmm. um, and if it's set to alarm when the door is not supposed to have been open or shut that day, a code has to be put in. It takes 30 seconds for the, the alarm to go off um, if you don't push the code in. And then it won't go off until you actually do push that code in. Right. So um, a $20 purchase, it, it, was a, it was crazy to me to think that that was just there all the time. And I never even thought about it or knew about it. Right. We did have a pool uh, alarm in our pool, and I had taken it out that day to clean the pool. Oh, my goodness. Because um, we had people coming over for Easter the next day, and it was warm. So we knew that we would be outside on the back deck. So the patio was cleaned, and I had... Um, just sanitized the pool. So we, we backwashed it, shocked it, cleaned it, uh, got all the levels right. And we had been doing that, you know, throughout the weekend. Um, but we're finished with it that Saturday. And it was just something that I didn't do. I didn't take that pool alarm and put it back in the pool. Right. Um, because we were, at, we were running out the door. It really sounds like, and I think this is true for any time these kind of situations happen, um, obviously drowning got a lot of publicity this summer yeah. for all the wrong reasons, but when uh, Granger Smith's son passed away yes. in the river, and I think what he said about it is true, and it sounds like almost the same thing as you, is that it was just a series of just completely perfect events that yeah. had to add up to this even being possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. Every single thing that happened that day, it, it was like a puzzle piece. Everything came together, and then the horrible thing happened, then things that went along with all of those puzzle pieces actually, you know, led to my son being saved, mm -hmm. which I'm so thankful. And I'm, it, it kills me to, to hear about these little children falling or finding themselves in the water. They don't even always have to fall into the water, but I feel like I am, uh, I'm looking for it. I want I want to know about these things to better myself, to better help other people to learn mm -hmm. what they can do. But yes, absolutely. Just like just like Little River, you know, it just took seconds. He got away from very loving, attentive, attentive parents, absolutely. and it's like the these tragic things can happen to anybody. It doesn't matter who you are, what your status is. Um, they're real and they're hard and it's it's just it's life-changing right and you probably know better than I but I'm I know a lot of moms have fears of losing their child yeah. I think that's pretty universal um, but I think our fears fall into different categories yeah. so like I know a mom a friend of mine who's terrified of like a fatality car accident yeah mine has always been drowning mm -hmm. which is a little odd and that I didn't expect it because I'm from Arizona originally every house has a pool there yeah. I've never known anyone to drown not that it doesn't happen but I personally didn't know anyone right. did we grew up swimming that's mm -hmm. just that was like one of the three activities you could do in Tucson Arizona was like you'd go <laughs> swimming and I love water and so it was weird to me after having kids mm -hmm. that all of a sudden it terrified me oh yeah 
And it's always been something, you know, my son's almost four. He turns four next month. And, and it's always been something that has been there and has been very apparent to me. Uh, anytime we love going to the lake, mm-hmm. my in-laws have a pool in Mount Juliet. We love going to the pool. We, we love to swim. We're a water family. Yeah, and I don't too. keep my kids away from that because I'm scared of it. But every single time, I'm not an anxious person. Yeah. My anxiety is at a 10. Uh-huh. Um, to the point where I have the most amazing husband as a father. He is the best dad to our kids I could ever imagine. And, at, you know, there will be days that he'll take the kids over to my in-laws to swim in the pool. Yeah. And I almost don't even want to let him without me being there. Because yeah. I'm like, I know that you love them and trust them. and Or I know that you love them and, and watch them and you're aware of drowning and all. I mean, he's a police officer for right. goodness sakes. Like he and knows, you trust him. And I trust him. And I trust my in-laws. And I, you know, we have such a wonderful family who all loves our kids so dearly. And who are also all aware of my fears of drowning. Yeah. But without me physically being there to be the watchful eye, it just... Absolutely. Because I know it, all it takes is like one moment of saying, hey, especially to like our four-year-old, who almost four-year-old, who we know knows this stuff. Mm-hmm. We can sometimes forget that he's still four. Yeah. Because we, he he's knows. Still little. He's still yeah. But he's still a kid mm-hmm. and he still makes choices that maybe aren't awesome all the time. Right. And so it might just take one thing of like, hey, Beckett, I'm just going to run in really quick. Stay right here. Yeah. Go grab something and come back out. Or look at my phone really quick. You know, put my head down really fast. But he's in the pool with his floaty. Or yeah. Whatever it is. Oh, I know. Like, I just feel like it can happen so fast, um, as you said, in 30 seconds. And it can happen without anyone being at fault. Yeah. And that is the scary thing, is that even if you are aware of it, and even if you think you are being as mindful as you can be about it, parenting is hard. It is. We can quickly have a moment where it's like, I would rather just go in and grab that one thing real yeah. quick and not have to like lug them me and <laughs> dry them off. And yeah, everything. Do the whole thing. And it's, it's terrifying just how quick... This can happen oh, it, silently too. Is that it's right? It's extremely silent, um, and that's the scary part. They they go under the water and they they are ingesting it because they're scared. They're trying to breathe. They're young. They yeah. don't understand, especially if they are not um, completely and fully ISR trained. I don't want to think. I try not to think about what was going through his little mind right. or where's my mommy. Um, during those moments when he was in the water, but sometimes I sit and we have a duck in our pool that holds the uh, chlorine tablets. And I sit and I just watch it. I watch it go around and I can, I can almost pinpoint down to the seconds of how long he was in the water just by watching that duck float in our pool and it, it's, it's almost immobilizing for me. And I can tell you that after his accident and after actually just doing the act of CPR on, on your child, on anyone, I'm sure, right. but especially on my own child, that the physical effects of that affected me for about a week. I, uh, I felt like I had the flu. I felt very anxious. I have, I still to this day have post-traumatic stress from this incident. And I don't know that it'll ever go away. 
Um, I deal with it um, in, in different ways, um, have outlets, um, which are wonderful, a- along with having a very supportive husband and wonderful supportive children. I was able to make it through those first several days at home after, but it was very difficult uh, to leave him, for him to go to, back to preschool, just to be a normal little boy, or for myself to go back to work. Um, I can remember very vividly in those first weeks going back that I just physically was sick until I could get my hands on him right. um, every, every day. Yeah, you just want to be there and wrap your arm around him and, and know that he's protected. Yeah. Yeah, because it he was he was almost taken from me and, and, and then given back to me all on the same day. It has to be surreal too to go not only just to go back to the, the scene of the crime because then you have to live there, right? Yeah. Um that has to be really triggering for your PTSD. I'll tell you what what broke my heart the most and it's so strange but it was because I was so thankful we came home and it was Easter Um, we had canceled all of the events for the day obviously Um, we didn't go to church we didn't have everyone over for dinner Um, but on the way home from the hospital I told my husband I said please call everybody and tell them to come over I still want to have the Easter egg hunt I want him to have a normal day um, because he was fine. He was normal. He um, had woken up and was playing with uh, some of the toys that were brought to him at the hospital from Easter baskets from friends of our our family and our church friends um, that were there immediately that night. And um, I just told him, I said, I just want to have a little bit of normal right now for him, for him and and for all of us really. But my kids, my big kids, had gone home that night, and they closed all the blinds to the back. They shut off that whole section of our home because they didn't want me to have to see it mm-hmm. when I came home, um, which I was so thankful for. Um, and that's one of the things that I was worried about was just going out that back door. I didn't want to go back out that door. Mm-hmm. Um because it just kind of brought me um, to where we had been. But coming in my house that afternoon, I just noticed little things here and there, but the the thing that hit me the most were his toys on the floor, where he had been playing with them before his accident, and that they were there. And I was so thankful that he got to play with them again. Yeah. And how lucky I was. Because not every mother gets to come home with their child. And that was so profound to me. Just the fact that those toys were on the floor. And those were his toys. And they still were his toys. And he got to play with them. And still was going to be able to have more toys. And have more more Easter's and more friends. But that was the, that was the defining moment of our day was just to come home and just to see the mess the toys everywhere and I was so thankful that they were there yeah I can imagine one of the things that is such a blessing but also is probably hard to grieve and readjust is that you are coming home and he's fine yeah but my son still died that day right 
And so you are coming home to the same house. Yeah. With the same son. Yeah. Who's two, so more than likely I'm guessing he's acting like everything's cool. Like everything was fun. It was <laughs> like nothing it was happened. crazy. And you're sitting there going, but but this just happened. Yeah. It did. And um and it does change you. It changes everything. And I was not I, I don't think I was I don't think I'm still well, <laughs> to be honest, but um it took a lot, uh of healing and a lot of prayer and a lot of just digging in and looking at the situation to be able to come back out and say, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is what we have to do to start changing things, to look at it in a different light. And, but still I was very aware that you know, I I was still healing, and I had a long road. Yeah. And I saw a mom out shopping. Uh, she's a friend of mine, and she has a son who is probably 19, 20 now. But her and I had a conversation about how even though our children survived, and her son had a tragic accident playing baseball, they didn't think he was going to live. He was hit with a ball, was in ICU, was in a coma, they just weren't sure of his outcome. Mm-hmm. They weren't sure if he would ever walk again. And her and I stood and talked about how profound, even though that our children survived these tragedies that happened to them, and they're up and they're walking around and they're living their lives as they did before the accident happened, how profound it was on us mm-hmm. and how we are never the same even though our children lived and we still have them, how much of an impact of that thing, whatever that thing would was, mine was obviously different than hers, the thing that changed us and how it, it is never going to be the same. We're never going to look right. at things the same. I don't look at life the same as I did before March 31st of 2018. Right. Everything has changed since that day. I do think it's, it, it's interesting because kids just they can cope yeah so quickly they're so in, in ways they're so much stronger than yeah. adults are they can almost forget and block out and just keep going yeah uh, I think a lot of people have things maybe in their childhood that they were able to just kind of be like mm-hmm, that wasn't yeah. great and let's just trudge on and as adult and especially as, as a mother it's like you know people always say it's like our heart travels outside of our body yeah. right it, it's just your vulnerability is just ripped open. I can imagine oh, sure. in a lot of ways probably that the PTSD is going to be more real for you mm-hmm. than it will ever be for him. Right. Which is a little bit counterintuitive because he's the one that actually drowned. Yeah. But I, I know for me, like I said, I, I cannot, cannot imagine actually living out my worst fear mm-hmm. in this. Um, and, and so I'm so happy to have you on today to be able to just kind of walk some of us through this so yeah. that we can be more prepared. Yeah. And, and yeah. going with that, what what are some things that we can do to have better water safety, to have our kids more aware, or to have our house more prepped, or whatever it is that needs to happen? What are some things that you've learned that are like we can actually implement to be better about this? Right. So um, the first thing that I would tell you um, is that 
just to research, do your research. If you are going to want to be a pool owner, I suggest that you just safeguard every single aspect. We safeguard our homes with our with our toddlers with plugs in the wall and locks on the doors and mm-hmm. different things like that. But we really, um, when it comes to outdoor fun, um, that kind of goes out the window because it is a fun situation and we don't really see that as a, um, a scary or a threat right. to our children. Um, some of the things that I've learned since Knox's accident is that second to um, childhood cancer um, or birth defects, that drowning is the number one cause of death for ages um, one to four in children. Mm-hmm. That's profound to me. And what's even more profound is that I never knew that statistic until after my son had drowned. Mm-hmm. And I suggest that, you know, you after you do your research, then you take that research and what you've learned and you put that into action. Because nothing is going to happen until you actually do something. My son is in swim lessons and has been in swim lessons since his accident. The first set of lessons that we took just the summer after his accident were definitely so hard on everyone as a family. Um, even him swimming for the first time that season that year was, was definitely hard on us. However, swim lessons are so important. And I don't care if you have a swimming pool in your backyard or not. We are a water family. My dad mm-hmm. has a boat. We go on boating trips. We go out on the lake in the summertime. And then, of course, we have our, our pool in the backyard. So having swim lessons and doing that and following through, don't give up on it. Um, if you if you find a program that works for your child, then stick with it. If you can't find a program that works, then you keep looking until you find something that yeah. does. Because the first program that we did after Knox's accident was the same program he had before. However, after his incident, it didn't work for him anymore. It was a little too aggressive. Um, It was a little too hard for him. So, and it was in a group setting. So now we do private swim lessons and we go every week. Um, It's so important that you find what works best for your family and works best for your child and you stick with it until they graduate. And I will be 100% honest, I don't think that children are ready to graduate or that they do graduate from swim lessons until they're about seven or eight years old. That's a long time. Yeah. But it's worth every penny um, for our family uh, to have him go through those things. It's it's just, it's priceless. Yeah. And I also think that um, every everyone, someone in every family needs to know how to do CPR. Again, like I said, if I would have had to wait on EMS, which was a quick response time in, in itself, but he was already in the water for about three minutes. And then if I would have had to wait another three minutes for someone to get there to help save his life, too late. it would have been too late. So from his accident, I just took on another path and definitely needed um, to have another outlet of therapy and another outlet of just getting out there and taking what I learned and making a difference. So CPR training is definitely something that everyone in every household, if you're a grandparent and you're watching your grandchildren, you need to know how to do CPR. If you're a sister or a brother or an aunt, someone who's babysitting, um, someone who works with children in a church, 
you need to learn how to do CPR effectively. That way, even even if the tragedy is beyond repair, you have some kind of skill to try to help the person that you're taking care of or watching over or that you come upon. Yeah, absolutely. I know that I used to nanny, mm-hmm. and so for that I was CPR certified. So I had been training it before, but I can guarantee that that's expired right. by now. Yeah, and it is usually I, every two years. Okay, and mm-hmm. I thought about it um, before. I'm not currently certified, but I, it is for sure going to happen now. <laughs> um, that, oh, I should redo that. Yeah. Like, especially because I've become a mom since then. And I always wonder, like, oh, I don't, like, could I? Probably. Do I feel confident enough in that answer to save my kid's life? No. Right. Um, and I think, you know, so often as adults, who are doing a million things all the time. Yeah. It can sound like such an inconvenience. Exactly. To have to build this into your schedule when there's not an immediate need. Exactly. And even um, working in healthcare, in the dental office, we have to renew our CPR every two years. And ironically, the same person my whole 24, well, 23 years um, before I, I went on my new venture, 23 years of being a dental assistant I was trained by the same man. Wow. And his name is Sonny Hires. He's a CPR instructor. He is a retired firefighter, EMS worker. And he is the only person that I wanted to talk to the night my son drowned. Hmm. Um, Because he is so special to our family. And I wanted him to know that I was just so very thankful for him. Because little did I know that just taking that class every two years that I didn't really want to do mm-hmm. because I had other things at home that I needed to do. I didn't need to take that time. You had to find to watch your kids. Or I didn't so want to take this. that time. Yeah. Or it was the Thursday and, oh, it's the weekend because dentists usually don't work on Fridays. Okay. So Thursday are our Fridays. I didn't want to stay after work to take a CPR class. But I had no idea for all of those years leading up to this point, he was teaching me how to save my child's life. Yeah. And just what a gift he is. And he knows how much I love him and how much I care for him and how much he means to us because literally he is an angel to our family. And that's what I told him the night that we were in the hospital that I was just so thankful for him and for for his instruction because otherwise I would not have been able to save my child's life. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So, if people want to get certified, where can they yeah. find out where to do that? How long of a course is it? What what kind of time commitment do they need to put out for this? It's so I don't know how you can put a time uh, on on anyone's life. So, sure. to be honest, uh, the the classes are about four hours long. I am now a cert, like I had said before, a certified uh, instructor with American Heart Association. So there are several different outlets that you can go to. They have a website, AmericanHeartAssociation.org, and you can get on that and search classes in your area. You can Google it, or you know, if anyone is interested, I would be more than happy to teach whoever how to do CPR because now that's it's kind of. Um, a mission of mine, yep. um, along with pool safety, and just talking about it, getting it out there, uh, to just to teach every every everyone in every household needs to know how to do CPR. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's um, your grandmother who is having an issue and and she passes out and needs rescue breathing, or if your husband has a heart attack and is in cardiac arrest, 
would you know would you know how to uh, give him correct CPR right. or a child who um, is having breakfast and chokes on a grape do we know how to do the Heimlich maneuver to get that obstruction out of their throat um, so many things go along with all of that but my son who was with me the day that Knox drowned and actually jumped in the water to grab him was taught CPR at his high school and to me that's just amazing everyone can learn if you're strong enough to push and strong enough to give deep enough compressions you can save someone's life yeah. and it doesn't matter in age that doesn't matter it's just your ability to be able to push and breathe and you can make a difference in someone's life that's amazing and, and it is it's, it's crazy to think that, that I know of none of the moms in my circle have CPR certification or their husband and isn't that crazy to think that we have these precious little tiny yes. children that we have had since they've been brought into this earth yes. and that's all that's what I tell my students all the time because most of the time uh, I'm in a dental office or an office setting with medical professionals mm-hmm. and and they kind of know and they get the the gist of what we're doing and how important it is but where I see the most impact is my mamas and my daddies that come and see me or grandparents and they never really think about it. They don't, they don't think about, oh wow, would I really know how to do that? Right. Um, or would I, would I be able to do it? That's the, that's what I get the most is I don't know how you did that. How, I don't know how in the world you did that. Well, when you're faced your mama bear with your out. child <laughs> yeah. um, in front of you who you know is not there and you have to get them back, you can move a mountain. Right. To, to do anything when it comes to your children. So uh, that's what I try to teach my students is that I want them to be able to know the skill and to act instead of react because a reaction is not going to get you anywhere. Right. You have to have an action. Yeah. So, so is it you only take one class then and you're certified for two years? That's correct. Okay. That's so correct. you're saying for any of the listeners here that they can dedicate one night yes. for four hours and be immensely more able to save and protect their children. Absolutely. That's crazy to me. I, uh-huh. Honestly, it's crazy to me that, that that's all it takes, and yet I, as well as everyone I know, <laughs> hasn't done it. Yeah. Um, I know that in general, one thing I've always learned is that anytime that you have a fear, the mm-hmm. best way to deal with that fear is to run towards it. Right. So the best way to deal with the fear of your child dying, which is the worst case scenario for any mom, yeah, is not to pretend like it could never happen. Right. Or not because, to pretend like it's not going to happen. Right, because it can happen in an instant. Yes. It's to prepare yourself as best as physically possible to deal with it if it's threatened. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing that one course, obviously, like you said, it's not just covering drowning. No. It's covering any way that you would need CPR or Heimlich Absolutely. A million ways to save your child or another family member or just a stranger yes. on the street. Who mm-hmm. knows? I know one time when I um, <laughs> when I was in high school, I remember actually, we were in a movie theater mm-hmm. and I was with a teammate of mine who, she wanted to be a nurse. She now is a nurse, but she knew CPR. Mm-hmm. And somebody in the movie theater had a heart attack and his wife screamed out, absolute bloody murder yeah. I think that's the only time in my life I've heard like a a real scream yeah and I still can hear it and this is like de- like over a decade ago yeah and I remember feeling like 
I just need to get out of the way because I don't have any idea what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, there was like a doctor or a like actual practicing nurse or someone there that worked on him right away. But she, my teammate, a high schooler as well, same age as me, ran towards it and said, I know CPR. Can I help in any way? And I thought, isn't that amazing? (laughs) What a great skill to have. You know, she was probably 17 at the time. Yeah. And I'm thinking, that was amazing that's because fearless. I'm a 17-year-old and I'm like, see ya, that's terrifying. Yeah. So it is. It's just, a, it's an, you never know. And even as parents, um, you know, we can still have that fear and still kind of run away from situations that we are not very familiar with or afraid of. Right. But how amazing for someone at that age just to run towards it instead of away. And if you had the skills that she did, that could have been you running towards that right. person. Right. And I just, obviously, I had never even thought about being prepared for something like that <laughs> in my life. And now is the time to be as prepared as possible right. as we're raising up, you know, little humans that, that depend on us. I know. And I mean, these things um, just become so apparent, you know, after a tragedy, just the things that um, need to be put into place just to keep them safe, like the locks on the doors, the mm-hmm. alarms on the doors, the... Uh, barriers that you can get for under uh, underground pools and then above ground pools just to have locks on your on your gates. I have seen I can't tell you countless videos of little kids climbing into pools, right? Climbing into the side of a pool from the ladder or even from a ladder that was locked properly. They're insanely smart mm-hmm. and they can get to places that are difficult to get to really fast quicker than the blink of an eye. I've also read horrible stories about a little a little boy that was eating breakfast. His mom had given him a bowl of fruit. He was maybe two, maybe 18 months old, two years old. And he got choked on his breakfast, yeah. on his fruit. And then at that point, I'm not really sure if mom knew how to do CPR, but he, he lost his life just from having breakfast, just Crazy. eating something out of a bowl. Yeah, that he probably has eaten a hundred times. A hundred times, and she probably fixed it for him a hundred times before. Mm-hmm. And myself included, just walking out that door and feeling, you know, safe around that body of water or any body of water for that that amount of uh, of aspect of it. But I mean, my my children have always swam. They've always been in the water. They've always played in the water, gone on boats with friends in the water, and now I feel it's just most important to make sure that they're aware. I sent my kids to the beach this summer. Well, my oldest son went to the beach this summer with a group of college friends. Mm -hmm. And another statistic I'd like to tell you is adolescents, the age of 15 and 19 years old, they have the second highest fatal drowning rate of any other age group. Mm -hmm. So you've got the one to four as number one, and then you've got this other section of, of teenage kids that are, are right number two. Right before wisdom kicks in. <laughs> right before. And the reason, I think, is is because they're fearless. Right. They get out on the water, and they're diving into the lake, or they're jumping off the cliffs. I can't tell you how many countless numbers of times I have done that in my in right. my past. I had but someone I, never... I, I went to high school with who, I was in college here, he was in college back in Arizona, but he... <clears throat> jumped off of Arizona. In Arizona, you that is very normal. Yeah, I think Tennessee is too. Like yeah. you jump off of cliffs into like watering holes. Yes, 
normal thing and he had done it a million times and he did it he never resurfaced yeah and I think a lot of uh, the issue with especially the lakes around here is they're man-made mm-hmm. they have junk underneath of them things yeah. you can't see and they're jumping in and they're getting stuck they're getting entangled into things and they're not wearing a life jacket right because they can't get a tan with a life jacket on. Right. Or it's not the cool thing to do to wear a life jacket. Everyone in my house has a life jacket. <laughs> um, and we don't even have a boat. But when we go <laughs> out on the boat, we have yeah. our own. And that's just real important to me. Just because... And, and also, you know, being in a body of water as in the ocean. I sent my son to the beach. He went with friends. And that's the only thing I could think about was that and in t- talking to him you know I made sure before he left he was prepared to know what to do if a riptide got him or mm-hmm. if one of his friends were you know in danger or having an issue or struggling it's always a topic of conversation in our house these days if you're going to be around water we're going to run through the the safety precautions first um, and even when people come to my home and we have a barbecue or a birthday party or get together. We have a water safety person, someone who is making sure that uh, everyone is safe in the water. No one is swimming by themselves. Children aren't allowed right. to swim by themselves in, in my swimming pool. And it's just uh, it's just an extra barrier to have. Nicole Hughes is a mom from Knoxville, Tennessee, and she lost her son Levi last year while they were on vacation. He drowned in the swimming pool that was in their, in their backyard, basically, uh, on the beach. And she started the movement for where you wear a lanyard. You're the water safety person. person. Yes. And with her and Morgan Beck, they have now teamed up with American Academy of Pediatrics to bring more awareness to childhood drowning, to talk about it because it's the elephant in the room. Nobody really wants to talk about it and why that is. I have no idea because... Because it makes us actually feel what it would be like to go through it or like it makes us actually... Yeah. Have to picture it. Yeah. And that's terrifying. But the picture is, is that these these children and these adolescents and even adults, they're drowning every single year. Mm -hmm. And um, just some of the statistics... For our state uh, in Tennessee, is that from January 1 to June 30th of this year, we have had the number is 788 total drownings. Um, and that's for 50 states. So for our state of Tennessee, 28 of those are ours. That's a large number. I mean, yeah. just think about those 28 families and how many other people are affected. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's huge. It just it's just so profound to me that these numbers and this this epidemic is a thousand percent preventable and we're really not talking about it until now. And it's because so many people have lost their lives. So many children have found themselves in the water and have not been able to be saved and it it's you can't take it back. It's permanent. Yeah. Yeah, if you think about it, that's that's over four a month just for our state, and we're a landlocked state. We don't even have an ocean and riptides and any yeah. of that stuff happening, right. which, is, which is insane. I, it's funny with talking to you, I'm remembering things from my childhood that like I haven't even recalled for like years. Uh-huh. But I think it just goes to show how common this stuff is. My yeah. my grandparents used to live in Florida, and I remember when we, I was really young, I was had to be like late elementary school. 
we were swimming down there in the ocean and I got caught in a riptide and I remember being terrified I was not going to come back up. Yeah. And I was like struggling underwater and my parents and my grandparents and my brother were all there and they were super attentive and like yeah. I was playing and I was probably only under for a few seconds. So like not even really long enough for them to react or <laughs> but it feels like know a, what was going a thousand on. minutes. Oh, it felt like forever. Yeah. And you know, it happens so unexpectedly, it's not like you for sure get a breath in before you go down and I remember coming up and just like gasping and no one knew what happened and I was like, hey <laughs> And since I'm then done. Yeah. Since then, I don't love swimming in, like, the waves of the ocean. Like, yeah. I'm kind of chill, knee-deep, but I don't like going all the way in there. Yeah. And I also recalled that my mom twice has had, when I was a child, has had to perform the Heimlich on me. Mm-hmm. And I remember a few years ago, somehow this came to mind, and I, like, brought it up to my husband. And I was like, yeah, I've choked to the point of needing the Heimlich twice. Yeah. And I just thought that was, like, like common occurrence. Right. Like, we're just kids. We don't, like, fully <laughs> chew our food. And that surely that happens all the time. Uh-huh. And he was like, no. no. He's like, that's not normal. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, cool. <laughs> uh, thank God awesome for my mom. Lived. Yeah. Yeah, because both times she grabbed me and did the Heimlich and did the That's so good that and... she did that because, you know, uh, I think it's funny – um, looking looking back and just talking about um, the act of the Heimlich maneuver, most of our grandparents and our elders would just pick you up upside down and just shake you or smack really? you. Really? Oh my gosh, yes. And it's, That would have been terrifying. Not only are that, you choking, but now you're upside <laughs> down. <laughs> and you're fighting for your life. But yeah, um, it... <laughs> and in that, you know, moment, that's probably what they thought was best. But right. back then, that those things weren't taught. So uh, thank God for gravity. Right? Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> wow. So um, talk about Knox now. You mentioned that yeah. he's in swimming lessons. How is he doing he, with pool? Is there, he is there is. A, a light at the end of the tunnel with something that happens like this? So, yeah, there is a huge light at the end of that very dark tunnel. Um, to be honest, uh, he loves the water, and he's loving the fact that he's learning how to swim under the water and to the pool steps. So, uh, we currently are not enrolled, uh, at the moment because the, the fall and summer or winter sessions haven't started yet, but, uh, with swim and play and they're located here in Nashville. They do lessons a bunch of different places. Um, so you continue lessons throughout the cold months as well. Yes. Even when it's not swim season. Yes. Yes. Because that, that skill can, can deteriorate. Yep. So, and we don't want that for him. And I think for him, even especially being a drowning victim or near drowning victim, he needs to keep up with his skills even throughout the winter months. So he is in swim lessons and he wears his goggles with pride. Um, he's learning a lot, um, but he has a lot, a lot to learn still. But currently he can swim to the side. He can put his arms on the side of the pool and it's called elbow, elbow, belly, knee, knee. And basically what happens is he has learned how to physically get himself out of the water if there are no steps. That's amazing. It is amazing how strong he is to get up out of the water yeah. by himself. I struggle with that. So. I struggle with that. I can't <laughs> jump out of the water to save my life on the side of the pool without some steps, but he can do it. Um, 
that is just something that is just going to be a part of our life for the rest of our lives is uh, swim safety and, and swim lessons, I would imagine, until he's very, very much older in age. But he is four and he is in preschool. He doesn't always love going to school. That's not his favorite thing yeah. to do, but he um, he's full of life. He is playing t-ball this fall. Very cool. Yeah, and it's uh, and just little things like that uh, are just huge accomplishments. Like everything we get to do, we get to do. Right. Um, and we know that. So um, he's playing for the Cubs, and he had his first game last Saturday, which was like watching. People herd cats. Yeah, our son does it too. <laughs> on the it's field. the most ridiculous yeah. thing. He just shows up to play in the dirt. Yeah, he like, just you know. he he just wants to hit the ball. He doesn't want to catch it That's or, or get anybody else yeah. out. He doesn't he doesn't care about that. We always um, joke that he's a DH. For life. Like he's just not. <laughs> yeah, he's not, not why not? Either. He's playing ball and uh, just growing. He has friends and um, we play outside a lot. We have uh, horses, so he has a pony. He rides. And um, he loves doing that. And we just went to the fair um, in our town. We had the fair for 10 days, 9 days, 10 days. And we went 6 out of those days. Whoa. Yeah. We love the fair. We love uh, everything about it. Uh, the animals, the rides, the exhibits, and yeah. all of those things. And he's learning how to write. He knows how to write his name, which is really good, I think, for a 4-year-old to be able to do that. And just, you know... We're just watching him grow. We're just so thankful that he's yeah. here, that we are able to watch yeah, him every grow. every milestone is just such a blessing. It is. It's such a blessing. And he's just, he's spunky, and he says the funniest things, and we just we just embrace everything with him and just know that it's a gift because in just mere seconds, he could have just been easily taken from us, yeah. and we, we don't take that for granted. That's amazing. So the very last question I like to ask all my guests that are moms, what does motherhood mean to you? Oh, gosh. So many things. Uh, that's that's a loaded question. It's so deep. It's, it's not even describable for me. Because I have children in different areas of life at the moment, um, It it's crazy. Um, I have a daughter that lives in Knoxville. She's graduated from the University of Tennessee and she is a wedding planner and living her life. This summer she went to California for a week and then she went to Colorado for a week hiking and biking all on her yeah. own and she's she's just living her dreams and to have her doing these things um, at her age and to be able to see her and watch her as her mother, she, it, it makes me so proud. Yeah. My boys, my oldest son, Dalton, he is uh, a junior in college, and he is one of the best kids that I know. He, he lights up my life every single day. He has the best heart, and he's a hard worker, and he loves God, and it's just, uh, it's just amazing to see that, and then my my uh, older younger boys I have one that's a, a freshman in college this year and just watching him uh, get to experience that part of life starting for him and going away to school yeah. uh, it's it's hard and it never gets easier to let them go but in the same sense in the same breath you're so excited for them because you know what's coming 
they don't have a clue. <laughs> and uh, it's just exciting for them. And then I have a senior in high school, so there's all those emotions. And you think, oh, I've done it three times. It's not going to be hard. I'm not going to cry. That's a lie. <laughs> That's such a lie. Um, yeah, because after this fourth one, you have a pretty long break before yes. you Yes, <laughs> so he, um, he's a senior, and he's, he's a football player um, for Mount Juliet High School, and he just started his season last Friday, and I was talking to another mom, um, his best friend's mom, and I, I told her, I said, I thought I wasn't going to cry, but I totally cried. I totally cried today just thinking about just how exciting life is going to be for him, and this year that he has in front of him and just all the fabulous, wonderful things that he has in store. And then watching Knox, you know, become the little toddler four-year-old that he is right now and learning all the things that he's learning. Just motherhood for me is is just a huge depth abyss of nothing but love. And it's love that's indescribable. I can't, I can't explain it. It's a privilege. Yeah. I know now, uh, how much of a privilege it is because it took us such a long time to be able to have Knox. And then once we did finally find out that we were pregnant and expecting him, all of the things that came along with being an older mother mm-hmm. and a higher risk pregnancy and just to watch him grow in my belly to be able to have him, it was it was almost like a dream come true. So that aspect of it was uh, really intense for us. And then to almost lose him and then get him back in the same day. It's it's a really humbling experience. But when I say this, it's you'll understand um, because you're a mom. But I've been able to give life to him twice. Yeah, yes. And not many moms get to say that. So I know how blessed I am. Mm-hmm. And I don't take it for granted. That's amazing. That's incredible. Thank you. <laughs> well, Jamie, thank you so much for coming on today oh, and sharing your thank story. Thank you so much for asking me and mm-hmm. having me. I do appreciate it. It, it. Honestly, it's been a blessing just personally for me. I feel like after this conversation, um, a little bit of my fear has been chipped away. Good. Um, just knowing a little bit more about how we can keep our kids safe, yeah. but also how we can act if the worst happens. Yeah. And how we can prepare, prepare ourselves for that too. So yeah. um, I look forward to signing up for a CPR class. Oh, Maybe I'm so I will, excited! I will grab a couple of my girlfriends and come sure. along. We'll figure out when you're teaching it. So Absolutely. Come to class. And um, again, thank you so much. And uh, I really look forward to just getting to know you better. Yeah, me Absolutely. too. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, thank